Here's South Carolina uh, Governor Henry McMaster, <laughs> uh, who's going to say very affirmatively and positively that there is not going to be another lockdown in uh, the Palmetto State. Digital media file number two. Lockdowns were a mistake. Those, uh, a lot of the information that was presented and the opinions that were presented from official sources were, were in error and caused damage. He said error. And error. I can assure the people of South Carolina that we are not going to have mandates requiring masks. We're not going to close down schools. We're not going schools. to do a lot of the foolish things that were done in other states that we limited to a great degree here in South Carolina. Uh, but we'll do that. We have all learned from the pandemic how to how important common sense is, and that was abandoned in many parts of the country. Uh, not here. We we did the right things, but we will not have mask mandates. We're not going to close schools. We've got to do everything that we can to see that our young people get a and the best education. Of uh, well, uh, and truth be known, you want the kids going to school and you want them to get, if, if indeed there is an actual epidemic or pandemic, you actually want the children getting the disease. Yep. You want them getting it early and you want them getting it often because you want them to develop the antibodies to it. And that's how herd immunity will be achieved. It will not be achieved by a bunch of uh, a, a bunch of unhealthy geezeroids like me getting it and being drugged and medicated through it and quote beating it close quote. The youth will provide the way, which is why the, now the bad guys knew this. The New World Order, is cult of death cabal, knew exactly that, which is why they insisted that all the schools must be closed and they went after the children. Why? Because they always go after the children. Why? Because they're adrenochrome guzzlers. They get their life force extended by the consumption of the pain and misery and sin of children. It's as simple as that. So I'm glad to hear Governor McMaster's going like, nope, not going to happen here. Now, what challenge does this pose to the airlines? Because the Biden regime is going to issue a, a mask mandate any day now. They're going to try to compel. They're going to tell, tell the CDC they're going to try to compel every entity in the world on, the, on this continent to comply. Now, almost all the southern ones are going to go like, go pound sand. What does that say to people, the companies that are running airlines that fly into southern ports of call, if you will? What are the southern states? Like, like what are, I could see Governor DeSantis going like, I'm going to sign an executive order. I am going to forbid mandated mask wearing on airline travel inside the state of Florida. Now, if you want to wear one, you can wear one. I'm going to forbid companies from requiring it because there is no evidence that there's any health risk. What happens then? And I believe that that scenario will actually play itself out should it happen that someone like DeSantis will go late. Not in Florida. Uh-uh. We'll see. Um, You want to hear what black residents of Chicago think about forced immigration? Now, this is another thing. Who's competing for cash, money, labor jobs now? Illegals. 
Who are they competing with? Well, they may be competing with other minorities, blacks, Hispanics, and other Asian immigrants that got here that are here, uh, or citizens, or got here legally. So the, uh, the black folks in Chicago are not very happy with the regime leader right about now. As a matter of fact, they're not happy with pretty much anyone. Now, this is an irony here because this is the model Democrat City. The high-rise project was invented by and for Chicago. But there is a problem on the way to paradise, Democrats. Yeah, they're upset that the migrants, the illegal migrants, are getting all of their benefits. They're not going to the black families anymore. So oh, that's what they're upset about. Yes, so here you go. All these resources that have not come to us, now you want to overly compensate right. for people who never lived here before, and they really need to be taken care of first and foremost before anything else happens here. Why would any leader put our black communities already riddled with crime at further risk by placing unvetted non-taxpayers steps away from our our seniors, our children, and our homes we've worked so hard on our own to secure. We are at war, people. Our communities are at war. They are violating our communities, and we asking that we have, we across the country, we asking that we're demanding for office of black America, or whatever you want to call it, to deal with issues like this. Uh, I did get placed on a wait list, but I was told that the immigrants were taking priority. See, that's a story that a lot of people don't know, and it just, it hurt me. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I understand we need to be humanitarian, but these people are, that my participants are third and fourth generation Chicagoan. Born, bred, fed, and raised here. Born, bred, fed, and raised. My grandmother, Mayrella Carrington, rest in peace, always said, Craig, charity starts at home first, and then it go abroad. Politically, having over 500 people in our community would completely wipe out any interest we have. Many of these migrants have been dumped in our neighborhoods without a plan in place to monitor and house them long term. I'm not yeah. selling Preach. nothing. And I keep telling people, <laughs> don't have to move. Go ahead, go ahead. Amen, amen. That's right. That's right, that's right, that's right. That's exactly right. Uh, what they've been doing up in here, the, uh, they've been giving the thing to the black, to uh, the, the illegal alien folk that, that never live here. I, you could hear the frustration going there, going like, hey, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where are the clients of the Democrat Party? Where are the votes that you buy, bro? <laughs> you can't give our stuff to them. They haven't earned it. Something tells me that so much of this Iron Curtain, this, this welfare, libtard, woke Iron Curtain is about to collapse. <laughs> it is about to implode like that Titan sub. Uh, yesterday's show, I informed you yesterday that when we were talking about Julia 
And everyone was going gaga over the single woman who was saying how grand it was that she didn't have to answer to she didn't have any kids to raise. She rolled out of bed at the crack of 10 at the crack of 10 on Saturday was just going to go to a Beyonce concert or whatever and didn't have any sniveling brats to chase around to a husband to answer to and how grand life was. At 29 years old, no family, no man, no, uh, no children, etc., etc. And I said, well, this is Julia from the Obama campaign, 2012, all grown up. Remember? And I told you, I said, if you do a little digging, you'll find out that Julia was a... She, <laughs> she that this woman is Julia. So here is, this is a clip from The Five from 2012, the day after the Julia video ad campaign or slideshow, whatever the hell you want to call it, came out. Obama's infamous internet campaign, The Life of Julia. Julia is a fictional woman taken care of by Obama's policies from birth to burial. Yet through her life, she relies on Obama for college loans, health care, getting a job, having a kid, Medicare, and so on. Julia begins at age three with Head Start, which I find odd. I mean, how dare they deny her mom the right to abort her? And yes, the slides also show that with Romney, none of these goodies would actually exist. So what's missing in this utopia? A husband, for Julia is married to the government, actually to Obama by proxy. He's with her every step of the way. Maybe this is the composite girlfriend we've been hearing about. But substitute anything else for the government, <laughs> and in the sad, you get a junkie. Booze, a hopeless drunk. Pills, a listless drone. She's a government assistance junkie. And remember, anyone the government assists that much, they control. Proving once again, the bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. Which means Julia's tinier than me and Dana combined. <laughs> anyway, this reminds me of Goofus and Gallant. You remember that Highlights cartoon comparing a good child to his foolish counterpart? Here's why I love Julia the most. Never has the choice between dependence and individualism been shown more clearly. What's left out is who pays for this free ride. Gallant must pay for goofus. Romney must salvage an Obama. And an economy dies under a nation of Julia's. Anyway, Julia's chart ends at 67. But a woman's lifespan here in the United States is 80. Wow. I guess her time was up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Either that or Big Mike and I just... Ran out of use for her. We don't have any use for uh, Julia anymore. But the Julia, the fictional character Julia, was a part of the Obama campaign in 2012. Uh, and uh, it's all grown up now and is now a single uh, uh, 30, 29, 30-something-year-old, 30 just miserable excuse for a human, uh, for a woman. Uh, uh, <laughs> People aren't going to like not having civilization around. They, they really aren't. They, 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 they say that they want to be left alone and that, uh, you know, all, all, all there is to life is Beyonce commercials or Beyonce and Taylor Swift concerts and eating out at, at fancy schmancy restaurants and this and that and the other. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I had a conversation yesterday with a dear radio uh, friend. And he and I were, we were talking about podcast. And there's something interesting that goes on in the media business that all of you can bear witness to right now. 
the demise. I'm just giving this as a kind of a <clears throat> milestone of where we at in the minds of Julius. Around every 25 years or so, maybe even 20 years or so, radio is pronounced dead. They pronounce it dead. It's dead. It's going to die. Who killed it first? Well, if you remember back in the 1930s, because radio was king. Coming out in the 1910s and 1920s with the advent of widespread electricity and, and, and cities and homes being wired up, what was the first media device? A radio. Remember? Can't talk about this and not play the buggles just for a minute, just for poops and giggles. I heard you on the wireless back in 52, lying awake intently tuning in on you. If I was young, it didn't stop you coming through. Kill the radio star. So it was movies. Gone with the wind came along and the big epics and it was movies that were going to kill radio. Didn't happen. Radio grew. Then in the late 1950s through the mid-1960s, something else came. Another monster. Television. This monster developed things that were called then series. And then the televised series was going to kill radio. Well, radio adjusted again. And what happened? FM, no static at all. FM came around and radio avoided the death sentence. Then MTV, maggot television, came along and videos, as you just heard, were going to kill the radio star. Well, what happened? Talk radio rose from the ashes, and it didn't kill the radio star. Radio was pronounced dead again at the start of the Internet age. Well, what happened? New forms of radio delivery, I mean satellite radio, came along and radio survived again. Now, in the last five years, now they say the greatest threat ever, the one that is, that is actually going to take radio out, is here and the job and the deed is almost done. Well, they said that back in 2020 during the presidential campaign, and they were saying it leading up to it. What is that? Well, it's the age of the Uberber and the TikToker. The video star, again, is going to kill the radio star. Well, I'm here to tell you that according to Arbitron and Nielsen ratings, video has reached peak video. And radio has again 
survived. Now, there's something else, the reason I bring this up, something else that's going to survive. Not like, kind of like radio. And the radio survives because it is personal. It's you and I having a conversation. You can think you're having a conversation with the U-Bobers out there that think that they're all high and mighty and pious and changing the world and dictating who's going to be the next pope and what is Catholic or what isn't, what's Christian and what's not, what have you here. And there is use for video. But the U-Boobers are going to be like the video people and the video rock stars of the, uh, the 80s and, uh, and early to mid-90s. This is going to be a fad. People are going to get tired of it, and they can always go back to their radios. As long as there are people like me, and I'm not boasting and bragging, I'm trying to recruit here. As long as there are people like one of you that's listening right now that actually, like a Mike Parrott, that has an actual vocation and actually loves the craft. As long as we're here, then it's not going to go away. And here's what, you know why? Because we communicate. We're communicating. We make a bond. You're on a journey with that radio guy. You don't even care what he talks about every day because he's your buddy or she's your friend. You know what else is going to survive in the same way? The family. All the little Julias out there and all the little sex in the city harlots that were born as a result of that are all going to rue the day that they chose mammon over family. So, what do I say? I'm not going to call them stupid. I don't need to be an influencer and go like, I point that out. It's natural that they're not going to survive, kind of like radio. But the family will. You know why? Because it's natural. It's natural and it doesn't need your or my approval. I kind of think the same way about radio. Now, before we go to Free Farm Friday, you have to hear one more. This is Senator J.D. Vance. <laughs> well, I guess you should kind of play Ed Markey. So here is the pinko commie, Ed Markey, on the floor of the U.S. Senate proclaiming that the mask mandates are coming back because already this year, this is the worst pandemic, endemic, pandemic, shamdemic, whatever, since 1918, and you're going to get your mask mandate, and you're going to like it, and it's going to save lives and the human race. This bill is little more than an attempt uh, by Republicans to dismantle a public health infrastructure that had to be built in order to deal with this greatest of pandemics since 1918. 19. The greatest pandemic since 1918 when hundreds of thousands of people actually did die. Now, Along comes Senator J.D. Vance. Now, Markey killed Vance's bill. But I don't think Vance is done. But listen to this epic, epic smackdown of Markey and the masked Nazis. Senator Markey mentioned uh, the tragic number of Americans, over one million, who lost their lives due to COVID. And I agree that it's a tragedy, and I wish that we hadn't lost them. But we lost them in spite of some of the most aggressive masking policies in the world. If mandatory masking were going to save our citizens, it would have already done so. That's the first point. The second point is that this legislation doesn't prevent any of our citizens from wearing masks. If you would like to wear a mask, of course, you have the right to do so. But the senator talked about freedom. 
What I would like is for the freedom of a school child to not be thrown out of classroom because he doesn't wear, want to wear a mask. I would like the freedom of airline passengers to be able to go and visit their families and not be thrown off an airplane because they refuse to wear a mask. Freedom is fundamentally about respecting that you might have a different view than I do. Respecting that, accepting it, and not using government mandates to force our fellow citizens to do exactly what we want them to do, but to let us all figure this out together. The final point that I'll make here is I, I heard some pretty alarming rhetoric from my friend on the other side of the aisle. We are about to have some serious respiratory problems. We always do in the fall, and maybe it will be worse this fall and this winter than before. But I think that what our children most of all need, and I'm the father of three kids under the age of seven, they need us to not be chicken little about every single respiratory pandemic and, and problem that confronts this country. We are gonna have people who get sick from viruses. It has always been thus, and the way to respond to it is with calmness, resolve, and strategic thinking, not by pretending the world is ending because what has always happened is going to happen once again. We cannot repeat the anxiety, the stress, and the non-stop panic of the last couple of years. That's what this legislation is about. End the mandates, end the panic, and let's get back to some common sense. Of course, uh, the senior senator from uh, Massachusetts uh, won the day because you have the likes of Romneys in there that are going to uh, uh, that aren't going to they're not going to side with the uh, young upstart J.D. Vance. Uh, but you're already hearing and seeing that there's going to be an epic battle here. Maybe this is the battle. Maybe this this is the uh, the, the democracy. Uh, this is the Rubicon that democracy tries to ride over, and there are enough people to go like, ah, uh -uh, you're not doing it. I'm not doing it, and I'm not going to let you do it to my kids, Bucko.